Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor Podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Today, I want to talk to you about a subject that has been on my heart actually since before Easter. And, uh, you know, if, if you guys were here around Easter, you know, we were fasting and praying. And, and as we were fasting, uh, you know, this subject kind of came up in my heart. And I kind of have felt for the past few weeks that, that now is the time to talk about it. And so... Just kind of a heads up here, this is going to be a teaching, it is going to be pretty uh, simple, it's going to be pretty practical, but I believe that if you apply it to your life, it can change your life in a great way, amen? So if you're taking notes today, uh, the title of today's message is simply this, as it depends on you, as it depends on you. If you're not taking notes today, go ahead and write down as it depends on you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for just breaking open the atmosphere in this room today. Father, we thank you that the Holy Spirit is more than welcome to come and rearrange and and to speak and to say and to encourage and to challenge and to do whatever uh, you desire to do. Lord, we're your people. God, we are doing our best to serve you and honor you. And Lord, we just ask, God, that you would just move, God, just with freedom today. God with freedom. And so, Lord, any preconceived ideas that we walked in the house today, God, any baggage, even any unclaimed baggage that we're carrying today, Lord, we just drop it off in this moment. And, Father, we just thank you for a clean atmosphere, for the Holy Spirit to speak. God, we choose in our own hearts right now just to open our hearts wide. God, we just didn't sing it. God, we want to live it. God, we want to open our ears. We want to open our eyes to be able to see you, to be able to hear you, and to be able to receive you today. So, Holy Spirit, thank you for coming and teaching. Thank you for the anointing that breaks yokes and breaks bondages. Thank you for freedom in the house today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, most of us know that the Bible is, is mainly, uh, you know, it mainly speaks about two subjects. And the first subject is simply this. The first subject that it really covers is our relationship with God. The second uh, subject that it covers is our relationship with people. Now, Jesus obviously confirmed this when he taught us the two greatest commandments. We're going to look at it really quick. Most of us in the room know it, but it's uh, simply this verse in Matthew chapter 22. It says this, says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command or great commandment. It says, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor or you shall love people as yourself. Now, I personally believe that when Jesus was speaking there, that he not only confirmed the two main subjects, but I believe he was also saying this, that, that our relationship with God and our relationship with people are intricately connected. If you know that's true, say amen. amen. Listen, so much so that I believe that the Bible makes it really clear that when we get sideways with people, then we typically get sideways with God. In fact, if I can put it real plain, and we'll throw this up on the screen so you can see it, I think it is impossible, please, some of y'all hear this, it is impossible to be right with God when we are intentionally wrong with others. That it is impossible to be right with God when we are intentionally wrong with others. That's so true. So, 
because all of this is true, I, I want to read a, a passage of Scripture to you today that, that speaks directly to our interaction with people. And then I want to basically uh, highlight, pull a verse out, however you want to word it, uh, a verse out of that passage to simply be our launching pad for our subject today. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. Look at Romans chapter 12 with me. I'm reading now the New Living Translation. This is so clear, so straightforward. Once again, it's speaking about our interaction with people. It says this in verse 9. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. We could stop and go home right there, couldn't we? (laughs) So true. It says, hate what is wrong. Hold tight to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Verse 11 says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. Verse 13 says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Jesus said something like that in Matthew chapter 5. Go read it and you'll see what I mean. Verse 15, it said it verbatim. All right, anyways, verse 15 says, Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Thank God for that. It says, And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Here's our launching pad, verse 18. Grab a hold of this. It says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. I want to highlight the amplified version of this. Verse 18 says this in the Amplified Bible. It says, if possible, man, it's so key. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It actually means this, that when it talks about living at peace, it says that we should live in such a way that in our relationships that we are constantly cultivating basically a spirit of harmony, a spirit of unity, and that we're constantly trying to keep the peace. So, listen, I don't know about you, but when I read that verse, my first thought is this, and maybe you're more spiritual than me, but my first thought is this, is simply, God, that's a whole lot easier said than done. It's almost like, God, have you seen your people? Right? You know, you want me to live at peace with all these people. But you see how they act? Anyways. But listen, in my opinion, the reason it can be so difficult to live at peace with everyone is simply because of this. It's because any time you put two imperfect people together, it doesn't matter if it's a romantic relationship. It doesn't matter if it's a parent-child relationship. If it's a friendship or if it's two random co-workers, things will inevitably, sooner than later, get messy. Right? Maybe that's not you, but it's that way in my world. Anyways, so another way of saying, saying this is this, and this is really the subject we're going to talk about today, is sooner than later when you put two imperfect people together, even if they love each other wholeheartedly and, and have goodwill towards each other, guess what? More than likely after a while there will be this word, conflict. And by conflict, I mean this, and we'll throw it up on the screen. Uh, A conflict is really this. It's a mental struggle. Anybody ever been there? A mental struggle or disagreement. It does this. A mental struggle or disagreement will happen as a result of two people having incompatible, opposing ideas, opposing needs, opposing wants, opposing interests, or opposing expectations. If you're married in here, say amen. Amen. (laughs) Listen, simply put, 
no two people are going to agree on everything. No two people are going to agree on everything. And listen, when those disagreements happen for a multitude of reasons, there will be conflict. And uh, because more often than not, when we don't see eye to eye, once again, whatever the relationship is like, when we don't see eye to eye, someone tends to get hurt and disappointed in the process. And that typically causes tension, right, to build, and it puts a strain on the relationship. Thus, conflict occurs. Is that so true? So I want to say this, and this is just kind of laying a little foundation here, is once again, every marriage will have conflict. In fact, and I don't have the verse at hand at the moment, but if you, if you go and watch Love and Respect, uh, watch that. I encourage all of you to watch it if you're married or if you want to be married. Go watch that. It will help you dramatically. But, but, but even the guy there pointed out Scripture in Corinthians that said, if you don't have conflict in your marriage, you're probably not in the will of God. Doesn't that make all of you feel really well today? Man, that was encouraging. Go, go and be in peace, right? Anyway, so, so, so anyway, so once again, every marriage will have conflict. Listen, every parent-child relationship will have conflict. I don't care how old he is and how long he's been in your house, how long he's lived in your basement. If it doesn't matter if he's been gone for 40 years, listen, there will be conflict. And this, even in this, when, you know, we went home, we went away for two weeks and, and uh, you know, came back tighter than what we left. But, uh, man, we drove all the way to Bama. We drove to the glory land, praise God, had some barbecue, touch of heaven was on us uh, as I ate that Mexican food. It was good. And, um, and in the middle of that trip, here's what I realized. My gosh, my family's got issues. <laughs> right? My, you, you know, it's like there's so much. We, we left, and I just told Jen, I said, man... I love my family, but this is a reminder that I'm so thankful that I don't live near them. Amen. Because you, you, you think ministry happens here? Boy, we'd have to get down. We'd be fasting and praying like crazy to get that bunch to love each other. E- even in this, while we were at home, guess what? I even went to a funeral. You know, as a pastor, we have to go to a lot of funerals, but this was somebody in the family that died. And it was just a reminder, man, that, that, that whatever the extended family is, man, there's always conflict arising. Right? Always. You know, it's even this, that if you, if you have a genuine, true friend, right, go ahead and sell in your heart. Your, in fact, let me say this. If you've got a real friend, you know that somewhere along the line you've had to work through conflict. Every real friend that I have that I've been like, man, we've been friends for years and years and years and years. We've had bumps in the road, and we've had uh, hard conversations. We've had, uh, you know, times that we had to get really open, really honest, really vulnerable with each other. But, man, we certainly had conflict. And then even this, and this is going to certainly surprise all of you. I said it super sarcastically. But, but man, even every church will have its fair, of, a fair share of relational conflicts in it. Amen. Don't make me point out any this morning. Anyway, so... Come on, y'all laugh. I'm trying to help you out today. <laughs> trying to have fun. L- listen, if that, if that last one's hard to believe, and I, and I actually think this, let me be serious for a second, that especially when, when we have uh, come out of the world, we get saved, we come into church, and I think so often we are shocked by what we find in the church. That somehow we think that people walk around with halos around their head, and there's this hallelujah that's always singing around them, and that everything's great and everything's good. And we come to church, and we see that everything isn't always great. Right. And, uh, I, you know, I say that because that that causes a lot of people to point the finger and say, man, they're hypocrites and they leave. But they forget that, that this room is full of imperfect people just as much as we are imperfect. Right. And, and so, you know, to, to encourage you here in this, think about this. Did the disciples 
have conflict with one another while they were walking side by side with Jesus. Get that, side by side. Jesus is right there, and they're having conflict. So what makes you think we're not going to have it, right? You you know, to look at the Bible, it's like, man, did, did Paul not have conflict with John Mark and Barnabas on one of his mission trips? Yeah, they, they got so much conflict, one boy got sent home, right? Now listen, as a youth pastor, I've been to a lot of places. I've never even sent anybody home, right? And that fellow went home. So anyways, so did Paul not have conflict with Peter, who was a fellow apostle? Everybody say yes. Yes, he did. So let me even take this uh, another notch. It is a proven fact today. In fact, I, in fact, I'll just present this in another way. I remember the first time I met Britt Hancock, and Britt said this. Some of you guys have met Britt. He's been here and spoke. Uh, but he said this. He said, uh, basically, what do you boys think the number one reason missionaries leave the mission field? Well, I thought I was smart and intelligent. I said, it's got to be financial support. They can't get enough backing, so that's why they came home. Nope, that's not it. And then he goes and said, it's not because of sickness. It's not because God's not moving. It's not because the devil that they're facing in that darkness, wherever, whatever part of the world they're in, is, is too great for them. Uh, the number one reason why they leave the mission field is because they can't get along with other missionaries. Listen, because relational conflict, it keeps them, because they're always having, it keeps them from living peaceably with one another, so they do what? They quit. I sell that to say this, that in spite of what we may believe in this room, that guess what? It doesn't even matter how spiritual we are, no one is exempt. Conflict will happen. Watch this. Conflict will find us, and yes, we will even help conflict find others. So true. Listen, it's, it's an, an unavoidable, inescapable part of life. Everybody say conflict will happen. So listen, with all that said, the question today is not this. It's not, uh, you know, will we ever find ourselves having relational conflict with another person or not? That's not the question. The question for today is this, is what will we do when we have conflict? Because it's coming. It's going to knock on your door. And at that moment, what will you do? And just a series of questions to make you think here. Uh, Will we be like those missionaries when confrontation, conflict comes? Will we quit? Will we quit the ministry God called us to? Will we quit attending the church that he put us in? Will we quit the friendships that he gave us? Will we quit the kids he gave us? Will we quit on the marriage that he gave us? And I'm going to pause right there for a second. Everybody elbow your neighbor and tell them to wake up. Try and save somebody's life today. It's this. Listen. Listen, there's people in this room that you might not be divorced, but you quit on your marriage emotionally a long time ago. And it comes down to one thing. It's conflict. Watch this. Will you quit on the extended family he puts you in? The bottom line is, as dysfunctional as my family is, God put me in it and he put me in there. And I may have to do it from a distance, but I do it. I minister as best I can. As best as I can. And, uh, you, you know, I cannot tell you how many times... I have went home. When I lived in North Carolina, I remember one time I drove home from my grandfather's funeral. My family was in total dysfunction. And uh, I have, you know, basically brothers that aren't speaking to our parents. And I'm talking about, and I think I told you this before, I'm talking about what walking in Walmart. Everybody meets at Walmart, right? Everybody. It is walking in Walmart and walking right past one another, not even saying a word. 
That's what kind of dysfunction was happening. And I remember I left North Carolina to go home to my grandpa's funeral. And I, and I prayed, and I prayed in the Spirit, basically, for seven and a half hours. Didn't stop. Didn't turn the radio. Didn't, it was just, Jesus, you have to move. And you know what? I was there for like five days, and the total situation completely turned around. Right? So, so there is an answer to all this, Right? So anyway, so it's kind of like this. When, when conflict comes, man, are we going to quit on the peace that he promised us? I don't know about you today, but man, when my peace is interrupted, I do not do well. I don't do well at all. I'm not, I'm not a uh, type of person that likes confrontation, but I'm not the kind of person that's going to live there and lack peace. Right. You know, I'd rather confront something than live in that spot. I don't bury it well. So are we going to be a person that quits today? Or will we learn how to resolve conflict in a healthy, somebody say healthy, in a healthy way so we can live in his peace? Now watch this, and you'll find this is true, but I think that when I look at this uh, subject conflict, I think the wild part about, this is, about all this is this, is that most of us have never been taught how to resolve conflict in a healthy way. Now, understand when we talked about being taught, you know, most of the things that we, that we learn in life are not by someone verbally communicating with us. It's by what we see. It's what we see in front of us. So what I'm talking about here is what you were taught by watching your family, okay? But a lot of us growing up, here's what we learn how to do in conflict. We learn how to walk on eggshells. We learn how to shut down emotionally. We learn how to put up walls. We learn how to run away. We learn how to be passive aggressive. We learn how to avoid the issues. We learn to explode in anger. That was my family. You learn to dominate. You learn to recoil in submission. You learn to defend yourself. Or you learn to fight and win at all costs. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? Listen, it is as if, if we really are honest with ourselves, it's like we've learned everything that we shouldn't do. And now that we're older, more than likely in this room, if we're honest, if we could somehow, you know, leave the church, cute little world for a second, and if we could actually be a fly on the wall in your house or throw a camera in the corner when you're having conflict or maybe wherever you're out about town, more than likely you are simply repeating what you have learned. And the truth is, is our relationships suffer today because of this. In fact, there's people in this room today that you no longer have relationships that were really close to you at one time because you didn't know how to resolve in a healthy manner in conflict. So for some of you guys that are married, think about this way. And once again, we're just laying foundation here. But, but think about how many times that you and your spouse have sat on the opposite ends of the couch, right? Make sure you do not touch each other, far as away from each other as you can. And, and the kind of silence, or maybe the better word is there's so much tension in the room that it can be cut with a knife. Your arms are crossed, guess what? You're both staring forward, refusing to even look at one another. And inwardly, you know at that moment, you are absolutely bursting to get your feelings out on the table, but outwardly, you're stone cold as a statue. Y'all have never done that, have you? Listen, after a while, one of, my, well, you know, one of the people, somebody grabs a remote, lets out a sigh, whoo, so they know, right? And turns the TV on, and eventually you move past the silent fight that you were having. But here's the sad thing. We think somehow in our minds that that fixes it. It doesn't fix it. 
Because without us even noticing it, that unresolved issue slowly seeps into the fabric of our souls. And guess what? It it, it seeps into the, I'll say it this way, the crack in the foundation of our marriages, of our relationships, and it affects our hearts like some kind of poison. Because, listen, for guys in this room, we do a great job putting in that little box, putting it on the shelf, and we go, okay, whatever. For a lady, everything is con- everything's connected. Dear God, everything is connected. And guess what? It doesn't matter if it is. And we'll talk about this in a minute. But when, the, when conflict happens, listen, it can, be, it can be 20 years later and that couch moment will come up. Amen. So true? Be careful. All right. So with all that in mind, and this isn't... Yeah, let me go ahead and say this. With all that in mind, have you ever thought about why some of us struggle with conflict so much? Now, let me maybe say this to you, okay? Because I realize I'm going to speak to a certain group of people right here. If you're the type of person in this room that somehow in your heart, I'm speaking to a, really a married man at the moment. If you think somehow because you learned that the way to conflict is just to explode, Right? And just get it all out there and say what you want to say and, and, and do all your thing. Then guess what? I'm going to tell you, you got a problem. You got a problem. You, you, you know, if you love confrontation, you have a problem. And, and I'll say it th- this way, and this sounds really strong, and I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm going to say it. Men that do that to their wives but wouldn't do that to another man, dude, you're such a chicken. Because if you did it to a dude, he'd punch you in the face. Because it's real easy to feel, if you're a man, it's real easy to feel tough around a woman. Yeah? All right. If that's you, let me come with grace. Here we go. Is, uh, go before the Lord and say, Jesus, please change my heart. Right? And it, because it goes back to this. If we believe what we, what we talked about a few weeks ago, that God gave you your wife because he chose you to be the one that could take care of her and meet her where she's at and meet her needs, then God will anoint you to do so. So get out of the flesh, walk in the spirit and say, Jesus, help me. Amen. Because listen, he will. He will. Jesus and the Holy Spirit, Jesus can be stern, but he's also gentle. Amen. All right, let's move on. That may have been for somebody even on the podcast. There we go. Why do we struggle with conflict so much? Here we go. I think there's a few obvious reasons. Number one, and you're going to find that you relate. Everybody in this room, you're going to relate here somewhere. Number one, here we go. Watch this. It makes us feel uncomfortable. Can I get a witness? All right, a few five people. Thank you. All right, so listen, confronting someone about a particular issue really takes us out of our comfort zone. Yeah? Yeah? And uh, so most of the time what we do is we hide our feelings to avoid conflict. Unhealthy. Number two is it makes us feel out of control. And I think this is probably more for some women in the room today. Is that most of the time we like to be in control of the conversation and the overall situation in general. We like to be in control of our emotions. Right? But, but the, the basic nature of conflict doesn't promise us the security that comes with control. Y'all get that? Listen, because we know as soon as we open our mouths, guess what? We don't know where the conversation's going to go, and that scares us. So what do we do? Once again, we avoid it at all costs. We stuff it, right? Number three is, 
Number three, the reason we struggle with confrontation is the potential of not being heard. Listen, that we, we are typically unsettled in our hearts that if we uh, really open up and share our hearts with the other person, we, we're unsure, will they even really hear it, right? And if we're really honest in this area, the concern is this, is that if I open my heart up, man, will I be rejected or will I be loved? I'm not sure, right? Because if I'm heard, then that means I'm loved. But if I'm not heard, then that means I'm rejected. Number four is we're not sure how to express the way we feel. We're not sure to express the way we feel. Listen, there's some people that are good with words, and there's some people who just naturally aren't great with words. And that's okay. They're gifted in other areas. But for some people that feel like they're not gifted in words, uh, guess what? They sit back and they do this, man. They they worry about how they're going to put how they feel in words. And then they worry about the words that they choose. Will it make them look weak? Will it make them look vulnerable? Or will it make them sound dumb? And let me me say this. If, If you are... I'm sorry I keep going more towards the married thing here, but, but listen, it's with friends too. But, but it's like, if you know that someone's struggling with that, you know, we could say, you know, it's, let me say this, in, 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 in conflict moments that we've had, it's really easy in those moments to pick on the other person's weakness. Right? But, but it's up to me, and it's up to her in that moment not to, not to highlight and pick on those vulnerable spots because all that does is make it worse, right? You, you know, like with me, I know I'm book smart. Jen's much smarter than me in a hundred other different areas. She's not a book smart gal, right? She's got more common sense than I'll ever have, okay? So it would be easy for me to pick on her and make her look dumb in those moments just as she could easily make me look dumb in those moments when she's swinging a hammer because I can't. Right? Not if it's going to be effective. I can bend a nail really well. Are, are you guys, am I making sense? But it's my job, even in those moments, sorry, if we even when we're in arguments to protect her, even in that, and it's her job to even protect me in that. Right? That's healthy. That's love. Number five is because we're unsure if the other person cares. Man, that's so true. And I, and, and I think, and, and you know, if I'm being honest, that's been the thing here with me with, with people that I would consider friends is that we're uncertain if the other person cares about the relationship as much as we do. For me, I'm an extremely loyal person. If you got me, you got me. And, and I am all in. And uh, so a lot of times, you know, I have thought this when there's conflict, man, what will happen if, if, what will happen if they are not as loyal as I am? Will they just blow me off? Right, and then there's that fear that you'll lose the relationship if, if uh, once again, if they're not as loyal as you are. Number six, last one, is and this is big for me, more personally, and I'm sure it's big for a lot of you guys. Is it's this? Is <coughs> I'm gonna give a different wording here, but does it honor God? I think about that a lot with conflict. Does it honor God? Because when you when you love Jesus, and I do. Um, that's the number one thought that I live with. Man, does it honor him? And so it's kind of like this. When, there, when conflict is there, I think this. Am I being too insecure? Am I being too immature? Am I too much in the flesh? And then I wonder, man, if I open my mouth, and maybe you're like me, maybe you're not, but if I open my mouth, can I keep my composure? And it's this. Well, I get too angry and say something wrong. Right? And if I open my mouth, God, will I dishonor you and will I sin in some way? Because I, I have a fiery personality. 
Anybody with me in here? So, but if you notice this, all six of those reasons are really rooted in this. They're rooted in fear. Every single one of them, they're rooted in fear. And, and I'm just going to say this, and we'll hit it later. It's important that we understand that fear in any situation is really an indicator to us personally that conflict is not being handled in a healthy way. Let me give that, break that down for you. If I know that i got to have a conversation with someone and there's fear involved, it already tells me that it's unhealthy. Yeah? Because, let me say this, because when things are healthy and things are right, even difficult conversations, there's an atmosphere and peace with it. When there's a mutual love and a mutual appreciation, there's peace. Why? Because Jesus made peace through the cross. He is the Prince of Peace, and He dwells within us as believers. And so we can operate with one another from a position of peace. And it doesn't have to get all psycho and crazy. Amen? All right, let's shift gears here. Let's get to the big question. How do we work through conflict in a healthy way? I told you it's going to be simple, it's going to be practical, but I think it can help you. How do we work through conflict in a healthy way? Here, healthy way simply means this. It means does it honor God and does it honor the other person? Right? Does it honor God and does it honor the other person? By honor, I mean does it value, does it treasure, does it put an importance on the other person? So I'm going to show you a verse. This is a different translation. I like the way it says it. But Jesus said this, and this is just kind of encourage you when you're going to enter into a conflict. It says this in Matthew 5, 9. It says, God blesses those who work for peace. Remember what he told us a while ago in Romans chapter 12. It says to live peaceably with all people as much as it depends upon you, right? And so basically if he tells us that, he's also saying, man, how many of you guys know peace is work? Right? If you're going to walk in peace, it is work, especially if you're married, especially if you're going to do life together. If you're going to be a church that sticks together, it's going to be work. Okay, It's not going to be easy. Nothing's automatic. But it says there that God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. And the simple point that I want to make here is that verse assures us that as long as we're going about things in God's way, that he will bless our efforts, that he won't leave us out to dry. Let me say it like this. There's so many times we think, man, if I step out there and I confront this thing with that person, what if I... I'm kind of like left in that moment. Oh, my God, by myself. But the verse says this. That guess what? When I go to work for it, guess what? God comes with me. He's going to bless my efforts. He's going to help me in it. It's a great place to say amen. amen. So let me give you eight. We're going to breeze through these. Eight important steps in navigating conflict. I know it's a lot, but we're going to go through it. And they're pretty simple. Eight important steps in navigating conflict. Number one, this is huge. If you don't get anything out of today, grab a hold of this one. Number one, search your heart. Search your heart. The reason I say that is because so often we can go into a conflict so fired up about what we perceive to be a wrong that our judgment becomes cloudy. Right, and so because of that, it's important that once again that we make sure our heart is in the right place. And it's it's simply because of this. When we get so fired up and we don't really stop long enough to let God search our heart and we just dive headfirst into that thing, in my opinion, we automatically when we do that, number one, assume that we're right, and secondly, we make things a whole lot worse. Yes, if you've ever done it, if you're a hothead like me. Okay, God has changed me a lot over the years. But I used to be extremely hot-headed. Uh, after a while, you get tired of getting embarrassed, right? And you get tired of looking like a donkey in that moment. 
All right? So I want you to think about with this thing, search your own heart. Think about the wisdom Jesus gave us here in Matthew chapter 7. He said this. He said, and why worry about a speck in your friends, your spouses, your kids, your coworker, your boss? Name the relationship. Why worry about the speck in their eye when you have a log in your own? Ouch. Number four, verse four. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye because I'm righteous and I'm holy. When you can see past the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. In other words, Jesus is saying this, that if you want to be guided into healthy conflict, you must first examine your own heart, your own motives, and your own sin. So true. So true. Listen, this kind of humility, what it does, it gives God the opportunity to show you, guess what? As perfect as you may be, you might be wrong in, in, this, in this spot. <laughs> Okay, I know you're perfect in all those other spots, but you might be wrong in this one. And, and what it does is it, is it allows God, when you really get before the Lord. In fact, let me, let me maybe pause here. Let, let me give you something. Everybody look here. If it's something really serious, I would encourage you to do what uh, Isaiah 58 says. It, it says, actually, to fast and pray. And it says this. Watch this, because this is so our problem in conflict. It says, basically, quit pointing the finger. And then it says, basically, stop with your words of wickedness, right? And it says, when you do that, guess what? Heaven comes, right? But so often when it comes to conflict, we, we just once again see our side and we point the finger. And, and, in fact, let me um, jump ahead of myself. Jen said this last night, and I thought this was so good. She said this, and hopefully I can remember, okay? Yeah, yeah. she's telling me which way to do it. Thanks. She, she was coaching me up last night. She said, okay, the audience is to your left. You're to my left. Who <laughs> could be stupid? I, I, y'all ain't half asleep today. I'm working hard here. I, anyway, so she said that basically, you know, if I'm sitting here going, man, this phone is wide. You know, it's, it's much bigger than my first flip phone I ever had. And, uh, and so, but, but you're sitting here going, no, it's skinny. I say, no, it's wide. It's skinny. No, it's wide. Right? That if somehow in, in prayer what happens is, is God begins to change our angle and our perspective, and then we can actually begin to see the thing the right way and go, oh, Pastor Quentin, you were right. And then I could say, guess what? If I prayed, you guys, that thing is skinny. You're right. It, it allows us to have the kind of the same perspective. But so often, all we can see is ours, and we want to just ram down our th- uh, the other person's throat our perspective. Amen? But you got to understand that not a single person here is complete and perfect. And you got to give room to maybe the other person's right too. It may be different, but it doesn't mean it's wrong. Right? So anyway, it's this. It's like when I really get before the Lord in prayer, he begins to change the perspective for me. But he also begins to show me where I'm angry. And guess what? At, at that moment, here's a, here's a mature believer approach is at that moment, God is more concerned with your anger than the injustice that was done to you. So true, right? And so what happens is he goes, hey, here's where you're angry. Maybe here's where you're bitter. And maybe this is key for us in conflict. Maybe where, this is where your heart is hard towards the other person. And so what happens is, is this, is, is when we really get before the Lord and God begins to show us, it's like this, it's like, God knows this, that if our hearts aren't open 
to the other person's perspective, what they may say, what they may feel, then guess what? It's going to be really hard to achieve resolution, right? So, so don't, don't be, you know, listen, I know the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Can I be honest with y'all? It's a whole lot better to um, go sleep, calm down, and then approach it with the right heart than it is to go hastily in there like a fool. Okay? Are y'all with me? Here's the point. Some point, before entering into any conflict, it's essential that we pursue a pure heart before the Lord and the right heart towards the person we're about to have conflict with. Number two, we kind of already said this one, but the second way to navigate through conflict is this, is to not be afraid. Not to be afraid. And there's so much that we can spend hours entangled in that one right there with how we were raised. Man, oh my gosh. But listen, I want to reiterate something. One of the main reasons we avoid conflict is because we're afraid of how the other person might respond. Okay? And when, when that happens, we get nervous. Will they get offended? Will they get hurt? Or even worse, will they leave us? So, what happens in that case is this. is We can get so afraid of anything that resembles an argument or a disagreement, especially if you grew up in a dysfunctional home where there was a lot of heated moments, okay? But, but you, can, you can absolutely, um, when there's a potential argument, potential disagreement, you would rather shut down emotionally and avoid the conflict altogether. The only problem is, is that's unhealthy and it doesn't resolve anything because what happens is, is if you avoid it, you're really stuffing it or you're bottling it up. And guess what happens when you bottle something up? It will explode. Give it time. Maybe 20 years later, but it will explode. Isn't that right, ladies? Anyway, so, see if you're awake. Here we go. So, so listen, we can't allow fear, fear of how another person is going to react, rob us of our peace and rob us of uh, resolution. So, with that said, just kind of a thought here. I'm not going to do this with all of them, and I'll do it with this one. If you're afraid in those moments, remember this. God's bigger than your fears. Okay? And I know I say this verse a lot, but I say it intentionally a lot. You've you got to remember, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of love. He gave us a spirit of love. And guess what? The Bible says that His perfect love cast out all fear. So in those moments, we've got to ask ourselves, do, do we love this person more than we hate the offense that's happened? It's a good question, Right? Do, do, I, do I love the person more than the wrong that's been done to me? And if the answer is yes, then you should speak openly and honestly, and hopefully things will get resolved, right? After all, it's kind of this. Once again, and this sounds strong, but, but it's up to us to give our peace, and then it's really up to them and God of how they respond. It's between them two, right? Because I'm not the captain of their soul. I'm the captain of my own soul. Okay, my job is to do my part, once again, as it is or as it depends upon you, right? Number three, and we got to speed up here. Number three is go directly to them. This is hard, and it's hard for church folk. Amen? Go directly to them. Listen to what Jesus told us in Matthew eighteen fifteen. This is hard, and every one of us in this room have been guilty of doing the opposite. It says this, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault. Doesn't that sound like fun? Just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. 
Man. So this is completely opposite of what we tend to do uh, when someone offends us. So often we do this. We run or we rant. Right? What we do is, is someone makes us mad and we either run away from them and avoid them like the plague and cut off relationship. Or we do this or we run to everybody else that we know and we rant about that person uh, nonstop. And, and, and the truth is, is, is how, how do you know? And this is how I test myself. And I really have to work on this a lot of times because I'm human just like you. Is that when somebody's name comes up, is the first thing that comes to my mind, is it negative or is it positive? If it's negative, I need to forgive them for something. That's hard. Amen? Number four, when you're in a conflict and you're trying to navigate it, focus on the real issue. Focus on the real issue. I cannot, let me jump ahead of myself. I can't tell you how many times Jen and I have been in, in, in a moment of fellowship, right? We're in an argument. And uh, we're in an argument, and it's about one thing, and it becomes about 20 things. Come on, wave your hand if you know you're guilty of that. Come on, let the Lord touch you. Some of, some of, y'all, some of y'all are in denial. So, but listen, so often... So often when we're in a conflict, all we see, watch this, is, is that's one side. I'm going to give you another side. is the surface level action that upset us. It might have been the previous 20, but we stay really on the surface level. Please learn something here. Instead, we need to learn how to focus on the core issue that propelled the action in the first place. What I mean is this. We need to realize that while, they, while what they did wasn't right, they are who they are, and they do what they do for a reason. Everybody watch this. And typically, the reason or the core issue doesn't have anything to do with you. So true, isn't it? It really doesn't have anything to do with you. It really doesn't have anything to do with me. So if all we focus on, watch this, is on that surface level and argue about that, we'll not only put a temporary Band-Aid on the conflict... But we really never take care of the issue. So it's just going to resurface after a while. You know, all you have to do is look here. And once again, I keep going back to marriage because it's the, it's the most consistent, thickest relationship where there's conflict. But, but it's, it's this. Uh, most of us in our marriages have a pattern of conflict. And if we're honest, that pattern didn't begin with our spouse. And so the, the test there is can we, can we get open and honest enough to actually talk about where that began. And instead of being enemies, why not be allies and find a solution with Jesus out of that issue? That's hard for us. I don't know why it's hard for us, but it's hard for us. But if we'd be open, it'd be great. So, so when you're in this moment of conflict, I think it's really important that if you're the person that's confronting, that you give the other person permission uh, to be transparent and vulnerable. And what I mean is this, is that, that we need to let them know that, man, this is a safe place. This conversation is a safe place. And if we're honest right now, most of the time we have conflict, we never feel like it's a safe place. We feel like it's a war zone, right? But it should be, in God's way, a safe place. And, and, and it's this, it's like when it's safe, you're seeking to understand their, once again, their perspective, Rather than doing what we so often do is putting the other person on trial and we're setting ourselves up as the judge and jury. Can I get a witness? So with that said, think about this verse and we got to move. James 5.16 says this. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? 
healed. You can't have a healthy something without healing involved. Right? So we're talking about healthy conflict. In healthy conflict, there's healing. And then it says this. It says that the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So simply put, healthy conflict, partner with prayer, produces healing for all those involved. And can I tell you what's going to happen? But it's this. is that when, when, I, when I go, it's a safe place, right? Safe place. What happens is, is not only does healing come, but, but also the fact is, is in that moment, I get a better... Um, Oh, what's what I'm looking for here? A better, a better perspective, a better understanding, more heart of compassion and mercy for the other person than what I did before, yeah. right? And so what, what I was angry about, now I have compassion towards, and it doesn't make me angry anymore, yeah. right? And I understand now, instead of being a point of contention, now I'm a person that can bring, a, hopefully, solution. And solution is never found in dogging another person, but it's in carefully grabbing their hand and go, we're going to walk this road together. It's going to be difficult, but we're going to walk this road together. I did say all this is easier said than done, right? (laughs) Number five, don't overreact. (laughs) Y'all got that. That's easy. Don't overreact. Listen, a surefire way to shut a conversation down and miss resolution is by overreacting and exploding out of anger. This typically will do this, especially if you've learned, like I, like I did in my household growing up, if, you, if you're the dominant one in a relationship, it's going to either, when you explode, the other person's either going to shrink back, right? And they're going to like go in that shell. Or if you married a strong-willed person like I did, they're going to explode right back at you. Right? And so all of that, all it does is create more tension and separation. doesn't resolve anything. So instead of responding out of anger and saying something that you're going to regret later, we've all done that, right? Here's what we do. We bite our tongue, take a deep breath, and remember that God is with us because he said, blessed are those who work for peace. And we do this. We, we, we ask the Holy Spirit to enable us to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Let be love, right? Joy, kindness, all those things in that moment and self-control towards that other person. Okay, let me give you two quick verses. First Peter 4, 8 says, Most important of all, continue to show deep what? Love. Come on, somebody say love. love. Somebody say love. love. To show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sin. So instead of overreacting, just love them and don't respond. Cover it. Cover it, okay? James 1, 19 says this, says you must all be quick to listen Slow to speak and slow to get angry. That's covering. It says, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Number six. This was a tough one to learn. Watch your tone. In my household growing up, my mom couldn't call me to dinner without screaming at me. So, so it was easy to have elevated voices, elevated emotions, all that in my household. And so, but number six, watch your tone. And here's why I say this. Is sometimes it's not what we say, it's how we say it that determines the outcome of the conversation, right? That, that's like, man, I can't even hear you because of the way you're saying that makes me want to respond in an unhealthy way. So if we lower the tone, guess what? And meet people with, with love and kindness and just, you can, be, you can be kind and be honest at the same time. The Bible talks about preaching the truth in love, right? And so let me give you two verses. Proverbs 15, 1. Make this your motto, the next... Uh, the next conflict you have, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word or a strong tone stirs up anger. 
Colossians 4, 6 says this, Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Y'all okay? Number seven. Here we go. When we got two more and we're done. I'm trying to hustle. Number seven, extend grace. To be more specific here, uh, extend the type and the measure of grace that you would like to receive later. Here's why. Because sooner or later, guess what? It's going to come back to you. One verse, Colossians 3.13. And this is where grace is at. It says, make allowance for each other's faults. Man, don't y'all hate that? (laughs) Make allowance for each other's faults. It didn't say highlight them. It says make allowance for them. Give room for them. In other words, give room for the Holy Spirit to do what he does best. And that's change people. We don't change people. Nowhere in the Bible does it say... Does it say, husbands, you're anointed to change your wife. Wives, you're anointed to change your husband. Friends, you're anointed to change your friends. It does say iron sharpens iron, but it doesn't mean that's our responsibility. It just means as we live, it, it just does it, right? So it says this, and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Not you can consider, but you must forgive others. Number eight, last one. Thanks for hanging in there with me. Propose a solution. Because it's got to resolve at some point, right? So after, after feelings have been expressed, hopefully with a good tone, and each person has communicated and considered each other's perspectives and feelings, it's best to find a solution. Now, the best knowledge I can give you right here is this. Uh, is, is I recognize that my wife loves Jesus. Uh, a... a prerequisite I had going into marriage is I wanted a woman that loved Jesus more than she would ever love me because I knew if she loved Jesus more than she loved me, we can make it through anything. Okay? So I recognize this, that the Holy Ghost inside of my wife will never disagree with the Holy Ghost inside of me. So it's our job to make sure we're listening to the Spirit of God. And if we're listening, guess what? We can probably find a solution. Does that make sense? And so, let me say this. It's easy to go, well, I'm hearing. (laughs) You're not. Okay? I don't say that to my wife, by the way. She's way more sensitive to the Holy Spirit than I am. So so it's simply this, that, that, you know, but we're not going to move until there's an agreement here. That's what I mean by that. And so often, because we're waving our own banner of righteousness, we think we're right Woe it up a little bit. Pray a little more until you're in agreement. If you want to, if you want to have a, a, a great, uh, you know, whatever, word of wisdom when it comes to marriage, look at what they did in the book of Acts. They said again and again and again, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. So when it seems good to you and the Holy Spirit, that's your solution. All right? I'm going to just leave that one there. Find a solution. So here's, this is important, really, really important. Because this is where we go wrong a lot. Is we don't go into conflicts uh, with the intentions of winning. So it's this. is that when we're competitive, we even go into a conflict and, and we want to win. But it's not about winning. It's not, it's not about, you know, I win and the other person loses. Because if the other person loses, guess what? I still lose. Because I care about them. Right? And conflict, it's not about who comes on top. It's simply about, once again, it's about forward moving and finding reconciliation so you can move forward in life. All right? Let me give you one other question. Are you guys okay? Give me three minutes. Okay, I'm trying to hurry. Went much longer today than what I wanted to. 
But, but it's this, is, is what should we do when we are confronted? Because we presented everything so far as if we were the one doing the confronting. But what happens when we're confronted? Because uh, sometimes in life, once again, we're perfect, right? But believe it or not, sometimes we, we accidentally offend people unintentionally, and they come and they confront us, right? And, and so what should we do in those moments? Don't turn on your inner defense attorney. God, that... that Wave your hand down if you know that's hard. Rest of you wake up. Anyway, so, all right, here we go. I'm playing. But, but it's this. It's like, man, don't, don't turn on your defense attorney, get angry, and start defending yourself. It's this. If somebody, if somebody confronts you, be humble. Listen. Right? Own what you need to own. If it wasn't you, don't own it. But if it's you, own it. Ask for forgiveness. Remember, the goal isn't to win. It's to reconcile. It is to be at peace. Amen? So, throw up that last verse. Once again, the goal is this. We're going we're to end it here. Romans twelve eighteen. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Recognize, it says, as far as it depends on you. So, just because you do your part, understand there's a lot of trial and error in this thing, right? You're going to get it wrong. Uh, we're working to get it right. We're growing to get it right. But, but it's this thought that, guess what, is all the time... It doesn't mean that if I go to do conflict in a healthy way that it's always going to restore the relationship back to where it's supposed to be. And the reason I say that is because in this, other people are not robots. They may not choose to forgive you. They may not choose to own, uh, to own it. They may not apologize for what they've done. But, but if you take your approach, listen, I think every, every Christian should be really good at saying, I'm sorry. It, we should be. And, and, there, and there's this thing that I keep coming back to. If we can't tell people we're sorry, then that's a reflection that you've never probably really learned repentance with God. You understand that? That is a reflection of that. And so when you've been broken before the Father, it's pretty easy to be broken before other people. That's true. Amen? Amen. So wherever you're at today, just simply encourage you this. Healthy conflict can be learned and it can lead you to healthy relationships if you do what God says. Amen? Let me pray for you. Then we're going to show the announcements, and then you're good to, to run out of here, all right? And go to Offshore Restaurant. Amen. Father, I thank you today for your people. Lord, there's no doubt that hearing all of that, some of that's a really tough pill to swallow. And, uh, Lord, it's not easy, but, Lord, it's definitely your way. And, uh, God... We're just asking, God, for each other and for ourselves, God, that you would help us to do what your word says. God, that you would help us to apply all of those points that we just heard. And, Lord, we know we heard a lot, but, God, we're just asking, God, that that the next time conflict arises, God, that the Holy Spirit would bring up those things in our hearts and we'd go about it your way. In fact, maybe, Lord, if we, if, we're gonna, if we know there's a conflict at hand, maybe it's we need to come back and listen to what was talked about today before we step out in that. And uh, so, Lord, just soften our hearts towards people. Help us to love people as you love them. Help us to be people who, who uh, you know, do what your word says, that, that strives to live at peace uh, with every single person as it depends on us. And so, Lord, I bless your people today. Thank you for the hearts to serve you and love you and to love each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.